If you'll listen to me, I'll sing you a song of a flower that's now drooped and dead. Yet dearer to me, yes, than all of its mates, though each holds aloft its proud head. Twas given to me by a girl that I know. Since we've met, faith, I've known no repose. She is dearer by far than the world's brightest star, and I call her my wild Irish rose. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Swamp Things, comic book muckmen, bog beasts, and mud monsters. Episode 3, Swamp Thing Rebirth, featuring Superman and Batman with Superman Annual Number 1 by Peter J. Tomasi and Patrick Gleason, and Batman, Issue 23, by Tom King and Mitch Gerards. Well, hello and welcome Welcome to Swamp Things. It's a podcast about things from the swamp, specifically monsters from the swamp who are in comic books and who are on the silver screen and the small screen. And I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm a fan of swamp monsters in comics. And I am doing this podcast because I have a bunch of comics that I like reading and I want to talk about them. And so if you've heard the other comic book time machine podcast episodes, you know, some of the things I like, you know, some of the things I enjoy and you know, my co-hosts, Matt and Daniel, we, we all podcast and talk about comic books that we like and enjoy. I happen to like a specific, uh, sub genre of a genre within the medium of comics. And that is the horror comics that are also, um, specifically about, uh, swamp monsters and creatures from the swamp and creatures from the earth, uh, slime, slimy monster creaturey things like swamp thing or man thing or shag sludge. We're getting to them. We will. I promise. There's a couple other people out there who have been asking. I, yeah, uh, you know, sludge is not exactly a swamp monster, but he fits. He fits. Now the creature from the black lagoon is a monster from the swamps maybe, but is not the kind of swamp monster that I'm talking about. I'm talking about mainly people who've been transformed into muck encrusted mockery of, well, not just men as we're going to find out today, but muck encrusted mockeries of humanity. So who am I? Like I said, I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and, um, I'm just glad for you to have joined me here on this journey. Now, the other question is, where am I? You may be able to hear those noises, the creatures, um, the bugs and the crickets and the cicadas and the whatnots. Um, I just, I don't know. There's something about recording about this stuff outside. There's just something about it. Uh, the last or the first Swamp Things episode that I did I did it while I was on vacation and I was out on the back porch of the cabin that we were renting. Uh, for this one, I'm on vacation again. I've, I've taken a vacation day and uh, my family has traveled to go to my parents' house and I'm sitting on their back porch. And I don't know if I'm going to actually post the picture, but I, just, I was, uh, everyone's in bed. Um, my parents are in bed. My kids are in bed. My wife is in bed. They're all in bed. I stayed up and uh, I was just, it's just one of those things, you know, like where I was sitting there and I just looked over and I brought comic books to read and the comic books I brought some of them were Swamp Monster comics specifically because I was going to talk about them in this episode. And I thought, you know what? I've got my iPhone. I've got my little rig converter thing to use with my microphone. 
I didn't bring my laptop, so I don't have my notes, but I do have a notebook and I can write some notes in it. So I did. I, I read my comics again. I wrote some notes down about it. And here I am on the back porch of my parents' house talking about swamp monster comics. And I think this, I don't know if I'll do every episode outside, but there's just something about going outside, feeling the breeze, hearing nature. And, you know, it's a small cross section of nature, obviously. It's that nightly noise that you find in suburbia. <laughs> Make no mistake, I am not in a swamp. I am in suburbia. Although you could make the metaphorical case, possibly, that this is a swamp. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> so how does this work? Well, here's how it works. I like these comics. I'm going to read about these com read these comics, and I'm going to talk about these comics. And yes, there is an element of the podcaster's existential dread of... Is anybody even listening to this stuff? You know, when you don't get feedback or even when you do get feedback and even when you see your download numbers and you see people have downloaded the podcast, you wonder, did they like it? You know, even people who do like big, giant podcasts, I, I'm sure that they wonder, do people even like this? Are they listening to it because they like it or are they laughing at me? Or are they just, you know, I got so many downloads because so many people subscribed and now they're not listening. You know, there's that existential dread, that existential crisis but then when it comes to podcasting, there's an element of me and I'm sure most podcasters who podcast where you just stop and say, ah, who cares? This is fun. I'm going to do this. I don't care. And so that's what I'm doing right now. I'm sitting on my parents' back porch and I'm talking about Swamp Monster Comics. And you know what? I don't care. Why don't I care? Because it's fun and because you are here with me. And so Together, we're going to talk about some Swamp Monster comics. And, you know, we're not sitting in the comic book shop. We're not sitting in a coffee shop. We're not sitting together, but we are. We're together. You and me. There's a connection. It's not quite the psychic connection that we're going to be seeing here in a few moments, but there's a connection. You and me. And I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much for listening. Now, here's how this show works. I do three segments. And segment number one is the main primary topic, which will include a major um, swamp creature. And when I say major, I mean, for the most part, it's going to be swamp creatures who appear regularly and who have had their own series or who appear regularly in some form in series. Like I said, swamp thing, man thing, sludge. Today, it's swamp thing. The second segment is where I kind of take a look at some backup kind of things. I call it the backup segment. And I look at short stories. I look at, you know, the short stories that might be in the back of a magazine, you know, with a main story. Today, it's it's not quite the same kind of thing, but it, this will feature swamp monsters that basically got one chance, <laughs> maybe two, but they they aren't a regular feature anywhere. And this is, these are the stories that actually caught me one wanting to do this because, you know, I buy some comics based on their covers and usually it's a, a random horror comic that has a random swamp monster. And that's what the backup feature is, is covering is these random swamp creatures. The third segment is swamp monsters on the silver screen. And for this, almost anything goes as long as it's a swamp monster and they're on the screen. So for this episode in particular, I'm going to be talking about Superman 
and Batman and their um, more recent entanglements with Swamp Thing. This episode is actually could be called Swamp Thing Rebirth. There isn't a Swamp Thing series in Rebirth, although I thought there was going to be. But I'll explain why in a moment. Uh, so that's what we're talking about today is Batman and Superman and their entanglement with Swamp Thing and also their entanglement with a random swamp monster. And finally, their entanglement with Swamp Thing on a screen. Now, when I say a screen, it's not Justice League action. It could be, but it's not. Um, and it's not Justice League Dark. I've already talked about that. No, this is something different and something fun and actually something my friend uh, Evan, who co-hosts Strangers and Aliens with me and also did the uh, Justice League um, Gods and Monsters series with me for the comic book time machine. Well, he made it possible. And so I'm very excited to, to talk about that. But first I'm going to take a podcast promo break. I am not sure what the podcast promo for this segment is going to be. Um, just know that whatever it is that I end up playing, it's a podcast I listen to. And so I recommend because I like it and we'll go from there. So after this podcast promo break, we will talk about Rebirth, DC Comics' newest relaunch, newest uh, reboot, I guess, maybe, kind of, and how Swamp Thing fits into the rebirth of the DC Universe. You like cheap comic books, right? Well, I'm Professor Allen, and I talk about cheap comic books on the Quarterbin Podcast. In every episode, I'll dissect a single comic from my collection, as long as I paid no more than 25 cents for the issue. Forget about $4 new comics that you can read in four minutes, or crossover events that can cost 100 bucks to collect. Join me in the quarter bin, where even bad comics are a bargain, and good ones are a steal. The Quarter Bin Podcast is part of the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network. Visit us at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com or search Relatively Geeky or Quarterbin Podcast in iTunes. I guarantee it'll be worth every penny. Okay, so here's the deal. I don't read a lot of modern comics in their modern comic continuity context. The primary reason for this is I, I'm just there's just not a lot that appeals to me, and the stuff that does appeal to me I don't want to get stuck in it. There's one comic that I am buying regularly, actually two that I'm buying regularly, brand new, and I haven't even read them yet. <laughs> I'm getting to it, but I stopped buying Aquaman oh, after Rebirth. Um, actually, before Rebirth, I stopped buying Aquaman, and there's a couple other titles that I was buying that I stopped buying. So I don't know exactly what's going on other than from like news headlines about modern comics. And so when I see a news headline that interests me, I'm going to get it like Elmer Fudd meets Batman. That interested me. So I got it. Now, it's not part of the rebirth continuity. It's not part of the new DC continuity. But it's the kind of thing where I just heard about it and I decided, you know what? I am going to go ahead and read it because it sounds really, really cool. So like Secret Empire from um, Marvel. <laughs> I bought one comic in that uh and it was a Deadpool comic because Agent Coulson was in it. And I'm not going to talk about it other than to say I hate Deadpool. A lot of you know I hate Deadpool. It shows how much I love Coulson that I bought a Deadpool comic. Anyway, I did buy Rebirth, the um, giant 
one shot that was kind of setting up the rebirth universe after you know they went through the whole new 52 reboot relaunch thing and there's one panel with swamp thing in it, and he's talking to john constantine and so i've been wondering well what is swamp thing up to in the rebirth universe and i thought maybe it's possible that he was i mean he doesn't have his own title but I saw that he was appearing in, in Hellblazer, which features John Constantine. And I was wondering, is it possible that Swamp Thing is going to be a supporting cast member in Hellblazer? Well, the short answer is he's not. Um, he got on the cover of a couple of those issues, and that was kind of cool. And the covers aren't bad. And, and actually, when I talk about these things, one thing I do to just kind of finish the conversation is I take a look at three, three things about each comic that I read. And that is, I take a look at the creature, and in the case of Swamp Thing and Man Thing and those regularly occurring characters, what's the artistic representation and also what's the characterization? Does it work well for me? And then I also judge the cover, because I do judge a book by its cover, and I ask, is it poster-worthy? And then the content, is it worth reading? And so for John Constantine, of the first six-issue uh, story arc, Swamp Thing is on th four of them on the cover of the first four of them. But he basically shows up. He has some banter with Constantine, which is fun. And then he's asking for a favor because he wants to find Abby who is lost. He can't find her anymore. And this comes out of the whole, the events in his old comic that actually was his series that was running regularly uh, in the new 52 and where Abby, his wife, ex-wife kind of, um, I'm not sure what their current marital status is in Rebirth era, but she became the um, the guardian of the Red, if I understand it correctly. I'm, I may be wrong, but um, she's also been lost and she's gone into the Rot, which is a bad place to be, uh, which was created in the New 52 in a really cool um, storyline that maybe I'll cover at some point. But anyway, he needs Constantine's help to find her. He gets help from a girl named Mercury that Constantine brings him to, and they go into the rot, and this allows uh, them to find out some information that Constantine needs for his problem, which is dealing with some people who, long story short, it's this whole um, kind of a secret conspiracy thing that has been going on since the beginning of World War One. And Constantine is, is mixed up in it now. And Swamp Thing is there to help get some information. I mean, he's basically there to help exposition. <laughs> and he does get a really cool fight in the rot. And he, get, like I said, he gets on the cover of a few of these issues. But ultimately, reading them, I, mean, I what I do now is just like with Deadpool looking for traces of Coulson. Uh, whenever there's a new Hellblazer, I'll, I'll peek through it now to see if there's any traces of Swamp Thing. But Hellblazer is not Swamp Thing's regular place where he's going to be, other than he's been there for four issues, which is more than he's been in any other series that I know of in the Rebirth continuity. Now, he has been appearing in a series called Bombshells that I haven't been looking at or reading. I just haven't noticed it on the, on the shelf at my comic shop. I'm sure it's there. Maybe I should just look. But anyway, he's been there. And I'm not sure how Bombshells, if that's kind of an Elseworlds type of thing or if that it does fit into regular continuity. I don't know. So the question then is, okay, so he ends his run with, with Hellblazer, with Constantine. Basically, the battle took a lot out of him, and so now he needs to recharge. So now we move to his appearance with Superman and Batman. And 
this is where we get some really cool Swamp Thing stories. I'm just going to spoil it right now. I really like both of these stories that Swamp Thing appears in. He appears in uh, Superman Annual number one and Batman number 23. And Batman number 23, the title of the story is The Brave and the Mold, which I think is just the coolest story. It's it's just fun. Uh, Superman's story is called Tangled Up in Green, which, yeah. Both of these covers have the heroes, Batman and Superman, dealing with Swamp Thing. They are fighting uh, Swamp Thing. Superman, you can actually see Swamp Thing's face as Swamp Thing has some vines wrapping around Superman, also is grabbing him with his hands. They're they're in conflict. They're tangled up in a conflict. Batman, it's more just branches are kind of wrapping around his arms and neck, and there's butterflies and leaves, and it's you know he's fighting nature, and both of them. I'm just going to say it right now. Uh, judging the book by the cover, are these covers poster worthy? Yeah. If you like Batman, Superman, and Swamp Thing, they are both poster worthy. And actually, they almost look like, almost, not quite, but they almost look like you could put them together as some sort of um, two-part picture. Not, It's not the kind of thing where you, know, you put them together and they link up to make a double-sized picture that goes together, but it's like you could frame them side by side in frames next to each other and they look like they belong together even if they aren't like the same picture of the same moment so what happens in these what what's going on in like well we'll start with superman annual number one and what's going on in that and basically it comes down to this there is a mysterious drought and superman is investigating and then he is confronted by Swamp Thing, who tells him, you don't belong here. And there's a disturbance in the green. And that disturbance in the green that Swamp Thing is alluding to, it's Superman. Uh, apparently, the previous Superman drew solar energy differently from the sun. And this Superman draws this solar energy in such a way that it's causing trouble for the environment. And Superman tries to reassure Swamp Thing, everything's going to be okay, it's okay, I'm here, you know, I'm a, I'm a friend of this world. And he touches Swamp Thing, and there is a psychic connection between themselves. Actually, more of a psychic uh, infection. And Swamp Thing starts speaking Kryptonian, and starts turning blue, and clearly this is a disturbance that comes from this Superman, who is not from this world. And I don't know all the details of where what, what's going on with Superman in the rebirth. Uh, this Superman here is the one who is married to Lois Lane and has a child. And he is one who I, he's, I, I think he is the um, post-crisis pre-New 52 Superman. And then they have the new, sup, uh, the new 52 Superman who I'm not sure what's going on with him. But anyway... This Superman is not from this world, and it's causing all sorts of problems. So Superman pushes Swamp Thing into the earth and helps him to get into the soil. And eventually Swamp Thing heals from his touch. And he says he's rooted and cleansed, and now he's going to return the favor. And we get a battle, a battle between Superman and Swamp Thing. It's a cool battle with uh, vines and punches and duplicate Swamp Things rising from the earth. And um, it ends in a psychic merging 
of uh, Superman and Swamp Thing, and they kind of merge together, and we see Superman's memories, and we see them through the lens of the Swamp Thing, and you see these little, the way the art works is kind of cool, because you have these vines kind of crawling around, and you have, um, eventually, it leads to a point where there's an actual, like, Swamp Thing and Superman are one being, one entity, and it's a Swamp Thing body, but the Swamp Thing body has Superman elements, so like the um, the S shield is actually a part of his body and it is a really, really neat, really, really cool looking thing. And through this all swamp thing kind of guides Superman through these memories and says, you're, you're holding on to the earth to an earth. You are no longer a part of. And because you're doing that, that's causing all this, you know, you, and I, and I love the end of it where he, he basically says to Superman, be the man of tomorrow and leave yesterday behind and it's neat and it works and superman bursts out triumphantly and it is a really really cool uh visual and you know i'll I'll be honest some of it was confusing on the first read i'm trying to figure out what is going on here but that's what's cool because that's the kind of stories that you get with with swamp thing where you get these um stories where they go beyond the physical and even though he is very much a part of the earth he is very much an earthy character he's also a very spiritual character and you know to the point where he's basically a god (laughs) okay And, and he's a god there to protect the earth and he is protecting the earth by joining up with superman and finding what's going on that's holding superman back and helping him get through it And in the process, you get a really cool two-page splash where Superman discovers Swamp Thing for the first time. You turn that page, and it's just Swamp Thing's face in the ground, screaming up at Superman, who's hovering up above him. You don't belong here. And then you go from that into a cool one-page splash where Superman is standing in front of Swamp Thing, who's now more humanly proportioned, and, and they face off. And you get that cool fight that I was talking about, which is, you know, it's a comic book. And I'll just say, if you can have a personal story, like the story they're telling here, that includes a huge giant fist fight, it's kind of fun. And then you have that cool merging that I was talking about as well. But you also have a a really interesting and, and good message of looking forward, be the man of tomorrow and leave yesterday behind. And it's, you know, it's, it's let go of the past, let go of the past so you can move forward into the future. And I'm not someone who would say you have to completely ignore the past. I don't think that's healthy. I don't think it's right. But I am someone to say you need to let go of the past because it's behind us. We need to keep moving forward. And the only reasons to look back into the past are to either remember something fondly or learn from something that was difficult. But if you keep holding on to these, the the bad, you know, the worlds that you've left and you can't embrace the world that you're in you know you're not going to be happy and and if you can't be happy in the world that you're in well you you either need to you know change the world that you're in change yourself or leave the world that you're in but the bottom line is um be the man of tomorrow be the woman of tomorrow and swamp thing in this story he shows up he fights superman he helps superman and he leaves and it's a good story it's a fun story i really enjoyed it the batman story from batman issue number 23 
Now, the cover says the strangest team up in history. It's not. It's not the strangest team up in history. And it's not even the first team up between Batman and Swamp Thing. And in fact, Bruce Wayne knows Swamp Thing, um, calls him by name, calls Malik. But uh, this one is, uh, it starts out with a man who's been murdered and he is saying, singing the uh, My Wild Irish Rose. And as he's reciting this poem, he gets shot in the head twice. And Batman investigates with Commissioner Gordon. And then Swamp Thing grows out of a bag of weed that was left on the guy's desk and joins the investigation. So we go from there to Bruce Wayne's mansion where Bruce and Swamp Thing are having a cup of tea together and they are talking about the case. The victim in this particular case is revealed to be Alex's father, which is quite a reveal, a pretty amazing coincidence you know that, that this guy was was Alex's father but one that I'm willing to accept it's a very interesting situation where the reveal is just boom he was my dad um and and Bruce Wayne asks him you know why are you here and the answer is to find out why I am here and that's just the beginning of of some of these um in, in in this one, in, in the Batman story, Swamp Thing is much more of an enigma. Um, in the Constantine story, Swamp Thing is swapping jokes and and bantering and and has this you know mission that he's on. This this he wants to get this you know the information. For this one, he speaks in riddles, and it's not just riddles. I think for the people he's speaking to, but riddles for himself as well. So they go and they investigate. And they find out the guy was on, you know, the guy was on the 83rd floor, but no one went through the door. The, whoever did it came through the window. And so they use that to find out, you know, they, they track down Kite Man. And they track down that Kite Man sold his kite to a weapons dealer. And then they track down who the weapons dealer sold it to. And, and that's what brings them to the actual murderer. Now, I shouldn't just say it's detective work, but I do appreciate that there's detective work that goes into this is, you know, Batman is meant to be a detective, but then you also have Swamp Thing help out by talking to the grass that's outside the museum where the murderer is looking at a painting. So they go, they confront the murderer and how do they confront the murderer? Well, Swamp Thing just plain murders him just up and kills him. And Batman is upset because Swamp Thing used him to get there. Um, now, I, it's a very simple murder mystery. And, you know, who did it and why is the more important thing. The why is more important than the who. Um, the who is not a situation where, you know, you have <clears throat> three possible suspects at the beginning. And you're trying to figure out which one is the, the killer. No, you're just following the investigation. And then the big tw twist at the end is that Swamp Thing just straight up murders him just kills him right in front of Batman and Batman is upset because Batman Swamp Thing used Batman to get to get to the the murderer. Uh, but then there's also the philosophy stuff that's going on and there's there's a lot of interesting philosophy that gets bantered about from time to time. Swamp Thing especially is talking about how dead is not dead. And they say, well, it's, yeah, the circle of life. You no, no, no. He's you become something else. You know, when you die, you become something else. And that's the circle right there. And you get um, just these, these people 
are searching for answers. The murderer himself is kind of like wondering what is the meaning of life? <laughs> asking those big questions. But then Bruce Wayne is kind of asking what is the meaning of death? And Swamp Thing has the answer. And the guy who killed Swamp Thing's father actually kills Swamp Thing's father partially because he had the answer from Swamp Thing about how death works, how life works. And But then Swamp Thing just kind of forgets that when he actually confronts his father's murderer and he just destroys him. And, you know, he's kind of destroying him out of vengeance. But then the question is, okay, well, is he just, you know, returning him to the green or whatever so that the, the green can feed on him and he you know, get something new out of it. Maybe he's, you know, cosmic recycling, I guess. But you have Batman who is a, a confident, uh, adjusted. Well, <laughs> he's not adjusted. I mean, much, much has been said about how ill adjusted Batman is, but, um, you have these people who seem to have answers, seem to have the answers. And it ends with just this kind of, emotional emptiness for Batman where he was looking to Swamp Thing for the answers and then Swamp Thing does this and it's not you know does Swamp Thing even believe his own answers that he has and it's the end of this it leaves you hanging it leaves you hanging not because of a cliffhanger because of uh, it's it's this emotional like I said, this emotional emptiness as you know, you get the idea that Bruce Wayne could have possibly maybe found a reason for his parents to have uh, perished. And, and this platitude that Swamp Thing was giving uh, it's gone now. Um, it, it's meaningless. And in, in the face of what Swamp Thing just did. So the, the fun thing about this though is First of all, it's asking these big questions, it's exploring these big ideas, but then it also has just these moments, these jokes. And there's an interesting um, storytelling technique here where there's just chapter after chapter. There, there are eight chapters, I think, maybe maybe fewer. Uh, maybe it's nine, I don't know. I can't remember. But they're short. There's a couple of chapters that are just one page. The first chapter is one. The other one-page chapter is as they're moving from the Batcave to the, uh, the uh, museum and Swamp Thing just turns to Batman and says, why do you need a car? And Batman just turns to Swamp Thing and says, why do you need a body? And then they both just kind of smile and grin at their little, uh, at the joke that, that Batman gave. And it's, uh, it's cool and it's fun and it's, it's got, you know, it's quirky and it's got personality and it doesn't, as it asks these questions, it doesn't necessarily have the answers, but it's all about people who are searching for meaning and searching for answers. And so you have this one character who is essentially a God, as we've talked about, who doesn't have all the answers when he's faced with uh, this death that he's kind of ambivalent about. He didn't have a great relationship with his father. This is his real father um, because his mother married another man and that other man was his stepfather, but actually did the, the raising of Alec Holland as a child. And, this father here that he is confronting the death of didn't have a great relationship with him. And I think you can see there's elements of regret that he didn't have that relationship, but he doesn't know what to do with it. And it's, it's you basically, you have these two emotionally stunted characters between Alec Holland and, and Bruce Wayne who have to deal with 
and and you know Bruce Wayne still hasn't completely dealt with the death of his parents. He's still emotionally raw about it, and it's just it's a one shot story. Both of these are basically one shot stories. I doubt they're going to even really reference these stories much in the future. This annual does what an annual should do with Superman, where it's a one and done story. I'm sure I would appreciate more of it if I knew more about the current continuity of Superman. But since I don't, I have to judge it on what I do know. And from what I do know, I I understand the story. They give me enough background that I don't need to know all about the worlds colliding and all 52 worlds merging all together into one world or whatever. I don't even know if that's what's happened. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about, you know, things that I've I've heard, but the the annual itself is one and done and it's an emotional journey for the character that you're able to follow even if you're not even if you don't know all the specifics and the details the same thing with batman it's an emotional journey for batman and swamp thing that really you only need to know who is batman who is swamp thing if you know batman you know his background you're good if you understand that swamp thing used to be a man and now is a muck encrusted mockery of a man who is also an elemental plant god, you've got it. You've got all you need to know. The Constantine stuff, I don't recommend necessarily if you're looking for just some good current Swamp Thing stories because the Constantine stuff is not a Swamp Thing story. He's there as a supporting cast. But this Batman story, the Superman story, it is the two characters, Superman and Swamp Thing and Batman and Swamp Thing. So the two characters in each individual issue. Uh, working together in a story that belongs to both of them, which is the way a team-up should be. So speaking of team-ups and (laughs) people working together, um, oh, wait, wait, wait. I I was just going to make the segue into World's Finest that we're going to talk about. But um, first, uh, the creature. uh, I think in both of these, the characterization of Swamp Thing works well, even though the characterization in both of these and in Constantine is... They're all three are different. In Superman Annual, you have a very uh, confident and self-assured guardian of the green who knows exactly what he's doing and knows exactly why he has to do it. There's not a lot of change for Swamp Thing in that story. The change comes from Superman in that story. He's the one who goes through an emotional journey that causes him to have a character arc of, of some form of personal change. In Batman... It's a different character. This is a character who is figuring things out, but it could be he's figuring things out because he's never had to face the death of his father that he didn't have a good relationship with. He's faced death for people that he's killed. He's faced death for people that are close to him. But yeah, so while he's acting differently than he is in the annual taken by itself, it's fine. Taken side by side, eh, it's it's slightly different, but because of the personal stakes of, that's involved for him in the Batman one, um, you you don't the difference between the characterization it doesn't matter too much. The covers I've already talked about the covers are they poster worthy? Yes, if you are a fan of Swamp Thing and Batman, the Batman cover is poster worthy. The Superman one. I can't get over it. It's really, really neat. It's really cool. But it is poster worthy. And the content, worth reading. Both of those are worth reading, as I said before. Constantine, 
Hellblazer, not as much. So now, speaking of team-ups where people are working together and having a, you know, a story together, um, after this next promo break, which will be, I already know, I know what this is for. I don't have my computer in front of me, so I haven't dropped these in as I'm recording, but I know it's going to be the Superman Batman podcast from, from Michael Bailey. Um, that podcast actually talked about this episode or these, these issues that I'm going to talk about in an episode. Um, it's not a current podcast that's making new episodes right now, as far as I can tell. I can keep waiting and waiting and waiting on the off chance that maybe something will happen. And okay, it hasn't. But you know what did make up for it was uh, the Quarterman podcast had him on to talk about some Superman stuff, which was kind of cool. So if you listen to one of the episodes of episode 100 for the Quarterman podcast is actually six full episodes. And when I say full episodes, I mean like they're two hours long, but they're awesome because each of those two hour episodes is has like six or seven or eight mini episodes in them as Professor Allen brings on a special guest to talk about a couple comics. That series, the episode 100s, um, the episode 100 series of the Court of Inn podcast is a really, really good listen. And he he's on there. But anyway, uh, World's Finest uh, issues number 219, 220, that's what we're going to talk about next after I play this podcast promo for a podcast that I've already talked about and talked up. So maybe I don't even need to play the promo because you've already heard me talk about how good it is. And yeah, but I'm going to play the promo anyway. So here it comes. And then we're going to talk about Superman and Batman and that time that they came across a very strange looking swamp monster that was not at all what it seemed. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to do it right after this. Why do you think superheroes are so important? People need heroes because they need somebody to inspire them, something to aim for, somebody to try to be like. of tomorrow with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men the other the caped crusader carrying out a solemn vow to spend his life warring on all criminals for seven decades they've been the world's finest heroes they've teamed on radio comics newspapers animation and more and now they're teaming up for a podcast. To the Batmobile. Let's go. Up. Up. And away. Atomic batteries. Turbines to speed. Superman and Batman celebrates more than 70 years of the world's finest team with randomly chosen stories featuring the Man of Steel and the Dark Knight. Superman and Batman. Featuring your two favorite heroes and one podcast together. Find it today at greatcrypton.com. Okay. World's Finest, issue number 219. The Prisoner of Rogue's Rock is written by Bob Haney with art by 
Dick Dillon and Frank Gassio, Gassio, Frank G. And episode or issue number 220, Let No Man Write My Epitaph. Same team, except Murphy Anderson is also involved instead of Frank Gassino. Those Murphy Anderson and Frank, those are the anchors. These issues, they are from uh, September and October of 1973 and November, December 1973. That's the cover date. Uh, I don't have Mike's Amazing World in front of me and I don't have my notes, as I said, but 1973, um, it's safe to say this is post Swamp Thing, but um, it's very different, very different from Swamp Thing. And yet it's still kind of the same. So here's what happens in issue number 219 we're setting up a mystery and the cover has superman and batman standing next to what looks like a footprint left by king kong and there's a giant shadow behind them but the shadow even though it's giant still is not as big as this footprint so i do not know why this footprint is here but it's not from the swamp monster that they are looking after and superman is scratching his head and he says it looks like a footprint but there can't be anything as big as this. And while I would disagree with him, because he has been across the galaxy and has seen many, 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 many different things and has probably even you know, fought a Godzilla-sized, King Kong-sized creature on multiple occasions, here he is saying, can't be anything as big as this, as he stands inside the footprint. I mean, yeah. But the truth is, there is nothing as big as this in this comic book. <laughs> the truth is, he's right. This footprint is not a part of what they are investigating. Well, what is a part of what they're investigating? El Monstro is what they're investigating. In South America, a swamp monster is helping peasants after catastrophes and disasters by giving them Nazi gold. Yes, Nazi gold. Now... This is trouble for the UN and the World Bank. It actually is gold that should belong to them, and they want it back. And so they bring in Superman and Batman, and they explain the situation and ask them to bring back the Nazi gold from a sunken submarine that sank. Yeah, so uh, Superman succinctly sums up the situation by saying... A Robin Hood monster, which has evidently found the lost sub far out. Yeah, <laughs> far out. So on page three or page four of this comic, Superman and Batman have been together for one page and they split up. Uh, they split up on page four. Superman goes to search the sea for the submarine and Batman goes down the river to search for the submarine. Superman finds other things and he cleans up a bunch of boats at the bottom of the, the sea. But Batman is attacked by a snake and rescued by El Monstro, who takes Batman down to the sub and gives Batman the backstory the backstory of El Monstro. And I'm going to read it. It goes like this. Once I rode happy and bold over La Comparsa, the vast rancho of my father, Don Roberto Esteban. All at once, my father died. And as his only child, I inherited La Comparsa. But the same sad day the earth received his remains, I was accused of a crime beyond belief. 
conspiring to kill my beloved father in order to inherit his lands before my time. And because it seemed so unlikely, people did believe it. But I was innocent, the victim of ruthless, ingenious men who coveted Lock and Parcel. The framed evidence was impossible to disprove. And then the judge says, for this black crime, you are sentenced for the rest of your days to Rogue's Rock. Rogue's Rock, an infamous island prison no one ever left alive. My father's rancho was confiscated and given to my enemies for having exposed me. Ten years went by like an eternity. I would be rotting there still. If one day there hadn't burst through from an adjoining cell. You, you are Galdo, the notorious river bandit? See, youngster, what is left of him. Galdo's story was amazing years before. A mine he'd set to sink and loot river steamers sank a foreign submarine instead. When he descended... All are dead, but this incredible treasure is all mine. But as Galdo returned to his hideout for a boat, he was captured, sentenced to the rock. He could only dream of the sunken riches he alone knew of. And then he tells the secret with his last dying breath, uh, because he had heard of the... Um, the bad fate of the prisoner. Galdo died soon after. When the guards left him alone in the burial sack, I slipped into his cell and switched places with him after closing up the hole between the cells. The rock's burial place was a tidal hole filled with rotting slime and seaweed. Galdo had given me a jungle herb to help me not breathe until it was safe to cut myself free. But when I did so... And here we see, uh, cutting out of the bag, a knife, but it's held in the hand of a swamp creature. Fate had delivered me another hideous blow, something the rotting sea slime, the jungle herb, had made me into the horror that appalls your sight. Batman finds the story incredible and also feels compassion for the creature. Superman, meanwhile, keeps looking and finally comes to a place where he finds the swamp monster and battles the swamp monster. Now, the swamp monster, it's a slimy creature, but <laughs> what's weird about it? And this is not the first weird thing about the swamp monster, but the swamp monster has one arm and three legs. Yes, one arm and three legs. Apparently, when this human being was converted into this swamp monster, uh the left arm of the human became a third leg or something. It's weird, but it's about to get weirder because Superman's fight is interrupted by Batman coming from the river and the swamp monster eats some jungle herbs and transforms into a woman. It's not a man. It's a woman. And then she changes back again. And that is the end of issue number two nineteen's story. Now there's a backup issue with metamorpho, but it's, I'm just going to say it right now. It's dumb. <laughs> it's dumb. <laughs> Maybe it's a topic for another episode sometime. But issue number 220 starts out with Superman wrestling the monster and Batman coming up. And you get to see the whole transformation again. And you see the woman in silhouette because she's not wearing any clothes as a swamp monster. And I, you know, as far as continuity goes, it makes sense that the person, when they change back, wouldn't be wearing clothes. It's that whole Hulk thing where, where can he get purple stretchy pants so often? Um, but anyway, there's, uh, the monster runs away and, uh, Batman and Superman have a philosophical battle. Um, I'll just read it. Batman says, I realized it was human, but I never dreamed it was female. 
And Superman says, there's more to this than we imagined, but we can't let it, or should I say she, go off and take illegal revenge. Batman says, maybe not, but I can understand revenge. I I took it myself against Joe Chill, my parents' killer. It's a, home, a human emotion revenge. Trouble with you, friend, is you're not human. And Superman punches a tree down and says, who's not human? And Batman says, as I was saying, revenge is an understandable human emotion. And Superman says, okay, okay, but what about the legendary lost Nazi treasure sub? And Batman lies that he found it. Or he lies about finding it. So anyway, they decide they're going to continue the search, but they don't. Batman actually um, totally lies because Superman is such a hard nose. That's actually what he says. I hated lying to soups, but he's such a hard nose. He can't appreciate Carlotto or Carlotta Esteban's tragedy. Let him blunder around after the sub while I save El Monstro from herself. And Superman, as he goes, he's thinking to himself, Batman didn't fool me. My super senses smelled old diesel oil on his clothes. He did find the sub and it must be in this area. These two guys are not very good friends to each other right now. Um, I'm just, I'm just going to say it right now. Uh, I always picture them as best friends in this kind of era. They just, they just aren't great. Aren't great. So Batman goes into town and helps, uh, you know, with some of the evil ranchers and uh, El Monstro is there and El Monstro is, you know, encouraging all the people and, um, but El Monstro is going to get her revenge and she goes and smashes down the wall and chases down some of the people, throws one of the guys out the window and kills him and chases down the main guy who goes to a mountain and <laughs> climbs the mountain and <laughs> the mountain comes down because El Monstro, you know, does some punching and stuff. And she, she does it. She, she kills him <laughs> and it's, it's bad. Um, but she saves Batman from the avalanche, from the, the rock slide. And Superman finds the sub and he flies up out of the river with the sub, but depth charges are dropped on the river and the vibrations from the depth charges cause him to drop the sub and it gets destroyed. It's atomized. The treasure is gone and lost forever, which is bad for everyone involved. I mean, that means the people can't have the, the lost gold and neither can the United Nations and the World Bank. But even worse is just in time to see this, uh, Batman wakes up as a governmental helicopter comes and sprays El Monstro with defoilant. And she starts disintegrating, runs, jumps into the river as she's disintegrating into nothing. And Batman and Superman together then stand over the water and look into the water and again, philosophize a little bit. And Superman says, I guess our mission's ended, but how in blazes can you sum up that creature's incredible story? And Batman says, no man can write her epitaph, old friend. As always, death has the final word. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not great. It's good enough that content-wise, is it worth reading? Yeah, yeah. I think the story is worth reading. It's worth reading because it's a fun story with weird twists. Um, the characterization of the characters, Superman and Batman, 
I don't, I don't even know what to think about some of the interactions that they have. I mean, basically Batman is going to lie to Superman because Superman is a hard nose and yeah, they, they just don't get along, but it's not like, <laughs> it's not like uh Batman versus Superman, you know, the movie where, you know, we're not going to talk about that here, but yeah, they, they just don't, they just don't get along. Anyway, the cover like I said, I described the first cover with Superman scratching his head, looking at that big old footprint. But the cover of the second one is Superman and Batman. Um, there's a swamp monster. It's the swamp monster. It's El Monstro with El Monstro's right arm, which is the arm that it has, holding them up against a wall. And they're all facing this picture of this beautiful woman. And the swamp monster says, look at me. Was I not once beautiful? And a similar scene happens in the comic with, with Batman alone and the monster. But, uh, yeah, it's weird with the whole, you know, it, it's not just a surprise that, um, the monster is actually a woman because every time they show the person who becomes the monster, she's actually pretending to be a man that whole time. Um, and so that's where the surprise comes. And, and yet it's not really like, even as she's pretending to be a man, she's drawn as a woman. And so like the art doesn't, isn't specifically hiding the fact that she's actually a woman. So then when the reveal comes that she, the monster is a woman, it's not really revealing a surprise because you've seen her wearing clothes, men's clothes, but there's a little bit of the, the womanly hourglass shape and her face has the, you know, more of a, a woman's look to it, a traditional comic book woman's look. And so when you realize, Oh, it's actually a woman. Uh, Oh wait, do, do we already, did I already know? I think I already knew that. Anyway, the cover, this cover is great. And this is what makes this one interesting is swamp monsters. Generally speaking in those short stories and in the, uh, ongoing characters like Swamp Thing and Man Thing and Sludge and that are male almost exclusively. A handful of times there might be another swamp monster with the primary one where, and I can only think of one situation where that happened, where a male swamp monster has his story and then there's a, a female who also becomes a swamp monster. And so that's what makes this one really interesting to me is that this is a uh, 1973 swamp monster, but the twist is she's a woman. Yeah. But this cover, the one that actually features the swamp monster, is it poster worthy? It's close. It's close. Just the, the, the wackiness of it makes it a little bit, uh, that's what makes it work. But the monster itself, the creature itself it's weird. <laughs> the three leg thing. I just don't understand. I wish I could know what the, the reasoning behind giving the creature three legs was, but there is nothing in the story, nothing in the story that suggests this creature should have three legs. And this is why there's nothing. <laughs> so it makes me think that the scripting of this, that just wasn't a feature. It wasn't a factor. Um, but I don't know how Bob Haney wrote for world's finest, but I'm assuming it was full script. So I don't know if the three legged 
thing comes from him or if it comes from from our artist here. But whether it's from Bob Haney or or Dick Dullin, Dylan, whatever. Uh, man, I'm bad with names. Uh, whoever it was from, it's weird. It's just weird. So, all right. Well, that is done. And now I'm going to do one more podcast promo. And then we will move to Swamp Monsters on the screen. And we will be asking ourselves, is this muck encrusted? Which means it's good. Or is it a mockery? Which means it's not. Man-Thing was created in the early 1970s to capitalize on the growing monster craze, but under writer Steve Gerber it became something quite different. Experimental, surreal, and very, very weird. It was something I loved as a kid, but does it still hold up today, four decades after its initial publication? So join me, Paul Matthew Carr, as I attempt to make sense of this cult classic and analyze each issue, putting it in the context of the time it was written and comparing it to the standards of today. And maybe you, too, can come to love the world's second most famous swamp-based comic book character as much as I do. The Nexus of All Realities, a Man-Thing podcast, a twice-monthly dive into the bizarre. Okay, so I got a text from my friend Evan. He said, hey, I rented a video game. Would you like to come over and play on your day off and it was my day off and I said you know what I would like to because it sounds cool the video game Injustice 2 and why did my friend think of me when he suggested I come over because one of the playable characters that he had unlocked was Swamp Thing now this game is a one-on-one -on -one fighting game like Mortal Kombat or whatever uh, Street Fighter you know, the kind uh, where you have these superheroes from the DC comics facing off against each other in an alternate universe timeline, Elseworlds kind of thing, where Superman's a bad guy or he's a good guy. He's, I don't know the, the whole story behind it, but he basically, he's kind of uh, running the world now because he's Superman. And I think it's because he wants to do good, but other people are rising up against him. And so you have the opportunity to have all these different characters fight against each other. And the one bad thing about it is, honestly, when they are fighting against each other, they are evenly matched, no matter who they are. And so as uh, Evan and I were playing, there were some funny moments where it's just like, okay, Harley Quinn versus Black Adam. Yeah, there is no way she could. Oh, she just won, you know. Um, and the one uh, constant was for me watching Swamp Thing and playing with Swamp Thing to fight against Aquaman, to fight against Superman, Supergirl, Batman, and all these characters, they were all kind of believable depending on, you know, who you're talking about as far as the era of Swamp Thing um, and the era of that character. I could, I could believe Aquaman holding his own against Swamp Thing, but I could also believe Swamp Thing holding his own against, against Supergirl. And so those matches were just believable but then you had superman fighting joker or whatever and it's just kind of a oh not really but okay um and you don't mind when you're playing with you know um harley quinn and you're defeating uh when you're defeating the flash or whatever and you're fine with it because it's you you know and you're earning 
coins and all that kind of thing. So anyway, um, I had a lot of fun playing. Actually, the first thing I did was I actually fought uh, Swamp Thing versus Aquaman um, in the training session where you're learning how to how to do the characters. And, and that was fun. And then I took Swamp Thing into the, you know, the these kind of one-on-one arenas and stuff. And I don't know all the details and I don't know all the specifics of of what things were called and and that I just know I had a lot of fun playing a video game as Swamp Thing and he had some cool moves there's one move where he grabs a character throws the character but he throws the character at a duplicate of himself and um, who rises up from the ground also you know you can sink into the ground with Swamp Thing and and attack from from you know waist deep in just the regular earth and uh, there's another you know where he'll uh, turn his, his fist into a giant club kind of thing. And, and, uh, finally he had this like crazy, um, super move where he takes the character and like the character gets pulled down into the earth and you get, you're beneath the surface. Now you're in this cave and the, uh, the enemy character gets thrown around the cave, just gets batted around by swamp thing. And, um, ends up landing on a rock on the center of their back and it just looks so painful every time. But like I said, it was fun playing a video game where you get to play as, as Swamp Thing and um, the cutscenes, there were a ton. They wrote dialogue for one or more um, conversations as you are starting each, each battle. And so there's at least one between each character. And so there's at least one between Swamp Thing and Green Arrow. And I can't remember um, which ones had two. Um, I think Swamp Thing and Poison Ivy had four even, maybe more. But you had just a back and forth banter between them. And, you know, Green Arrow said something like, um, you know, what kind of salad dressing should I get? And Swamp Thing, I am not food. You <laughs> know, And... Uh, a lot of it had to do with Swamp Thing confronting the character about you are upsetting the balance of the green or, you know, that kind of thing. Same kind of thing he was saying to to Superman, actually, in the annual. But, you know, acting in his role as protector of the green and, and you know, he's willing to fight any of the characters, good guys or bad, because of the way that they're upsetting the natural balance of things. And um, so I didn't see all of those cut scenes or um, dialogue scenes uh, when I played. But after I played, I went and found a YouTube video that, sure enough, I, I knew it would be there. <laughs> had every single one. It was pretty cool. So anyway, um, that is a swamp creature on the screen for this episode. And is it muck-encrusted or is it mockery? It is definitely muck-encrusted. It was a worthy portrayal of a swamp creature on the screen and it was fun to see and that actually brings this episode to a close so i do want to thank you for listening though i really appreciate you listening and um spending the time with me to talk about comic books that i like and um if you're a podcaster and you've talked about any anything that has to do with like swamp monsters or some of these these things i'm talking about here let me know because i want to hear you talk about these things as well and you know, if you're just listening and having fun, I'd love you to um, just go ahead and you know, you send me a note and let me know what you think about these stories. If you've read them, or if you're interested in reading them now, or um, really anything to do with uh, swamp monsters or horror comics in, in general, monster comics in general. 
you can reach us at the comic book time machine.com and uh, feedback at comic book time machine.com is our email. And I'm just going to end with my tagline here. Um, if you're not having fun reading comics, you're doing it wrong because your time is precious. And that's something we learned by reading Batman number 23. Your time is precious. And thanks for listening. Godspeed. <laughs>